You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yes, a little bit life. We're continuing with week three. And uh, I want to let you know, though, you saw a little teaser for our Vision Sunday. We've got Vision Sunday coming up on the 26th of March, which is just in a couple of weeks' time. And on that Sunday, we're just going to be talking more about the vision of our church and where we're going for uh, 2023 and, and talking specifically about our Botany campus there and uh, some of the things that are um, that we're aiming to do in, in the next little while. And as part of the lead up to that and over the next month, uh, we want to hear about your God stories. And we want to hear about what God has been doing in your life, being part of the Elam family over the last, uh, I don't know, year, 18 months, whatever it might be. And so we want to encourage you to tell us your God stories. Tell us what God has been doing. Uh, Maybe you've had some answers to prayer. Maybe you've just encountered God in a really radical way. We want to hear about it. The thing about God stories is that they always encourage someone else in their faith. And you're going to hear in just a moment in my message how that is actually something that's so, so important to us as believers is adding our faith one to another. And that's what uh, telling your story can do. And so you'll see out in the foyer in that direction and in the cafe, there are some big blackboards and they say, tell us your God story or something up there. And uh, there's some little bits of paper. I want to encourage you to write it down. And on the flip side is um, just like a, it's like a permission slip. It's the first word that came into my head. Uh, It essentially lets us know whether you would be okay with us sharing your story or not. Uh, So head on out there at the end of the service and and write down your God story and pop it up on the wall so it encourages some other people. Uh, We would absolutely love that and just get prepared for Vision Sunday. It's coming up. We're going to have a great time together and over the next uh, six weeks, we're really leaning into what God wants us to do as a church. Is that good? All right, we're talking about our week three topic today. We are talking about community, community. And I want you to think back to when you were at school in primary school. For some of you, that's not that long ago. For others of you, not not looking at anyone in particular, and I'm not placing myself necessarily in this category, but for others of you, it's a little bit longer, a little bit longer to think way, way back to primary school. But I can always remember the first day of a new primary school year. There were some questions you wanted answered and you wanted them answered pronto. You wanted to know what classroom you were in, who your teacher was going to be, and most importantly, who you were going to be sitting next to, right? You always wanted to know the class seating plan because you knew that who you were going to sit next to was actually going to make a difference to your school year. Who you were sat next to was going to have a profound impact on how your year played out because there were two categories of people that you would either fall into. The first category is that you would fall into this if you had a positive impact on others and you were seated strategically by your teacher to influence people in a positive way. You were the good boys and girls who your teachers were hoping would make the naughty boys and girls good also. Some of you know that was you. I'm a t- I was a teacher, I used to do it to you, all right? 
I knew all the good ones in my class and I knew who exactly who I needed to sit next to them. If you didn't fall in that category though, you may have fallen into the second category, which was the category where you were seated based on your ability to impact people negatively. In which case your teacher would place you as far away, as far away from those who were easily led astray as possible and they would sit you next to those goody, good people in the hopes that they might rub off on you rather than the other way around. Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands here, but we could probably all guess, based if with your mates sitting around you, who was who in this category. I won't tell you with Steve, with Steve and I who was who, but you could probably guess I was the good one. Listen, who you were sat next to at school was super duper important. And you understood that as a child, but I think what we forget in life is that actually who we sit next to in life is just as important as who we sit next to in the school classroom. It has an impact on your life. And in fact, positioning yourself within a healthy biblical community is one of those little things that can make the big difference. It's one of those little things that makes a big life. In um, the first week, we talked about the Bible, reading the Bible, how the Bible is one of those little things. If we could put that habit into our life, it's a little thing, but it can make the biggest difference. We talked last week about prayer and how prayer might feel like a little thing in your life, but if we can get a good, solid habit of prayer built in our life, it can lead to a big life. And today, we were talking on the subject of community and how biblical, healthy biblical community might seem like a small thing, but actually when we put it in place in our life, when we make a conscious effort, when we really work on it, it can lead to a big life. And in Acts chapter 2, we are painted a picture of what biblical community might look like. And it's a verse that we've been using all across these uh, four weeks. In Acts chapter 2, 42, it says, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meal and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Here's a picture of what biblical community in Acts 2 really looked like. And so there's something I want you to remember today as we go through this message. Here's what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to take home. You need someone and someone needs you. Turn to the person on your right and say to them, you need someone. Turn to the person on your left and say, someone needs you. <laughs> you need someone and someone needs you. Now, I have been thinking about a particular man in the Bible, in Scripture, who was left sitting in a particular place. He was sat because he was paralyzed. But I think if he were to come and speak to us today, even though he didn't have much choice in the fact that he was sitting, I think that he would say that he was really glad 
that he was sat where he was sat on the day that we find him in Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 verse 17 says, On one of those days while he was teaching Pharisees, he meaning Jesus, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was with him. Just then, some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And in verse 24, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your stretcher and go home. Now, there's something that I notice when I'm reading this story. Because every other time I've read it, I've always assumed that it was friends who carried him and lowered him down through the roof. I always just read that as his friends. But when I went back and I looked through every translation, it actually doesn't say friends. It says men. And so we don't know who these men were. We don't know if they were his friends, Often we assume that he must, they must have been like brothers. Brothers carried him and lowered him through the roof. No, it doesn't say brothers either. It doesn't say friends. It doesn't say brothers. It just says men. And I don't know where they knew him, but I began to wonder. I wonder if they had maybe, maybe they were part of the community that he sat each day. He would have sat in the same place on the same mat begging and, and asking people who went by for provisions. And I wonder, maybe he was sat with them. Maybe they were part of the needy community who also begged and, and asked for provisions. Maybe they were part of the business community surrounding where he sat. Like maybe they were there. Maybe they saw him. Maybe he was on their route to work each day. Maybe they lived in nearby homes. Whoever they were, they seemed to know who he was and they seemed to know that he had a need that day. I wonder if they'd helped him before. I wonder if they were part of the people who said good morning to him every day and good afternoon to him in the evening. I don't know how they knew him, but I bet he was glad he was positioned near them on the day that Jesus was in town, where he sat mattered more than ever before. And if you were to look around you today at this biblical community, you might look around you at where you're positioned right now and you might see yourself surrounded by people and maybe they're not your blood relatives, maybe they're not your brothers or your sisters, maybe they're not even, maybe you wouldn't even have said that they started as your friends, but I have no doubt that where you are positioned right now, the people whom you are positioned with in this biblical community, let me tell you today, they matter. They matter. Why? Why? Because he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He needed Jesus. He needed the power. He needed the healing. He needed the miracle-working power that Jesus held, but he could not get there on his own. He needed these men who were with whoever they were, wherever they'd come from. They were part of his community. He needed them to help him get to Jesus. And perhaps the story, this man's story, could act as a reminder to each and every one of us, to you and I, that we need each other too. Because I can guarantee you in this walk of life, there are going to be seasons that you go through when you can't get to the miracle on your own, where you can't get to the breakthrough on your own, where you can't get to where you need to be on your own, and you are going to need someone to get 
you there. You need someone and someone needs you. Here's why, three things. The first one is this, we need each other to see what we don't see. We need each other to see what we don't see. I can remember when I went to my first ever concert. Now, because Frosty let you know about Atomic Kitten, which was last week, do you guys remember? That was an eye-opener, wasn't it? Yeah. This was not so bad. This was like, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson, cause it's pretty, it's like, that's okay, eh, right? Like, that's respectable. Yeah, that's respectable, okay. Jack Johnson concert, it's my first ever concert that I've ever gone to. And I'm there at this concert, and I'm in the um, arena, whatever, it was like an indoor arena, wherever it was, and it was like, uh, we were in the standing area, it was a really big space, and we'd gotten there a little bit early, and so we kind of position ourselves, you know, you try and find a good position, so we're like in the middle, not quite at the front, but we're definitely not at the back, and then and I'm thinking, cool, this is great. I've got a great view, man. Like, I can see everything that's going on. And I was quite excited. My first ever concert. Didn't really know what to expect. And then all of a sudden, the arena starts to fill. And people start to come into the room. And, and they start to fill. And the crowd begins to build and build and build. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves, like, getting shuffled back a little bit. And, you know, you kind of get bumped backwards in the crowd. And until the, the concert starts, and all of a sudden, I realized that all I can see is the back of the person in front of me, because I'm not super tall, and all I can see is the backs of the people in front of me. I have no idea what's happening on the stage. But it was a good thing that I came with six foot three Steve Green, because every now and then throughout that concert, I'd say, hey, can you give me a lift? And he'd like, lift me up. And I'd be like, I can see a little bit over there. And look, I can see what he's... And then I'd say, hey, Steve, what can you see? What's happening now? Is it worth a boost? Like, what's going on? And every now and then I'd grab the shoulders of Steve and someone else next to me and I'd just jump a little bit, just to get a little bit higher, just so I can see. And at the end of the concert, I had so many questions. I was like, what did you see? What did he do then? And what was that noise? And how did that happen? And why did that, he do that? And I wanted to know all the details. I wanted to know, and I wanted him to share with me everything he saw, everything he could see that I couldn't. And I have to tell you today that there are going to be seasons in your life where you need someone else to share with you when you don't see. These men had a different perspective to the man on the mat. Why? Because they were standing. They were standing, and so because they were standing, it enabled them to see higher. It enabled them to see further. It enabled them to see what he couldn't see. The man's inequities caused him to sit at a different perspective, and because of his weaknesses, because of his frailties, because of his inequities, he simply could not see through the crowd to Jesus. He had a different perspective. What he needed was someone else to say, it's okay, buddy because I can see Jesus. It's all good because I can share my vision with you. I can share that my insight. I can share my perspective. And some of you are going to go through a season of weakness where your failings or your frailties or some of the things that are going on in your life, some of the mountains that are right in front of you are gonna cause you to sit at a perspective where it's just really hard for you to see through to your breakthrough. And what you need is people to surround you who can see when you don't see. I've been through so many seasons in my life when I couldn't see. 
You know the seasons, don't you? You know the ones where your circumstances feel so close that you just, you're like, I don't even know how I can see beyond it. I just, I can't see how this is gonna work out. And I've, I've been in seasons where I can't see past my own weaknesses. I've been seasons where I can't see past what feels like a huge obstacle in front of me. I've been through seasons where I can't see past hurt. I've been through seasons where I just can't see through the crowd to Jesus. And yet what I did have was people around me. People around me who could stand up and say, it's okay, let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you what I've seen. I've been a little further in through the crowd. I wonder if any of those men kind of scooched in the crowd just to, like, let me go check out where Jesus is. Let me go check out what he's doing. Let me go check out what miracles he's doing. And then I'll come back and I'll tell you. I'll tell you that I've seen Jesus. I'll tell you that the miracle's just there. I'll tell you that I've seen the breakthrough. For many of us, all we need is someone to tell us, I've been where you are and it's okay. It's going to get better. I have seen it before. And I can tell you what I've seen. I've seen breakthrough. We need each other. We need each other to see when we don't see. You need someone, and someone needs you. Number two, we need each other. We need each other to remind us that there's always another way. There's always another way. Imagine with me this man sitting on the mat, and all he can see in front of him is a crowd with no way through the crowd There is no way for him to even to see Jesus, let alone get to Jesus. Like we know, we already know he couldn't see him, but he also had the problem of getting there. He couldn't get to Jesus. The house was overflowing. Imagine the house overflowing with people. So many people that every window, every door, every opening into that house was closed off to them. It blocked their way through. There was no obvious way to get through. And I can imagine that in that moment, it would have felt impossible. You can imagine the discouragement of this man knowing that inside that house was the miracle that he needed and yet he couldn't even get close. And yet, yet, there was a group of people. There was a group of people that he was with that found a different way. They found a different way. You ever been in an escape room? Do you guys know what an escape room is? If you have done one, you will know. I'll explain for those who've never done an escape room. An escape room is a small room. It's a room about three by three, I would say. It's not great if you're claustrophobic. If you have any issues in that area, please do not go into an escape room because you are locked in. You are locked into a tiny room, and often there's other rooms that you have to get into and multiple rooms before you are actually let out of the space. The idea is is that as a team, You are supposed to um, complete and solve a bunch of clues and puzzles in order to open locks that will allow you to move forward in the puzzles, that will allow you to open doors to other rooms, that will allow you to eventually find your way out of the room and open the final lock, which is the door that lets you out back to reception. Always feels like a bit of a like non-event when you get out. (laughs) You're just back at reception. inside these rooms, like, they are harder than they, than they look. Like, when I first went to a, an escape room, I thought, I'm smart, I can do this. I am not smart enough. Like, these, these puzzles are hard, man. Like, they're really hard. And you can be, I remember the very first one we went into, before we really knew what we were doing, there were these birds on the wall. I can't even remember what the end result was, but there were these birds on the wall, and I can remember we were all standing there like, is it a bird? Is it a, what is it? 
what is a bird <laughs> supposed to be? And there's these pictures, and, and you're supposed to see numbers or words or clues or supposed to point to something or I don't know, whatever it is. And we were, st- we, we were staring at that bird for what felt like like 20 minutes staring at the bird. And then just as we were about to quit, all of a sudden Steve, who's smarter than me, he says, hey, what if we turned it this way? What if we looked at it like this? What if we took it and we, put, we moved this over to this? And what if we put that in there? And what if we looked at it from this angle instead of that angle? And so often, so often, when it comes to our own circumstances, we can get stuck looking at it a certain way. And often all it takes is someone else at just the time we're about ready to quit, someone else to say, have you looked at this from a different perspective? Can I help you see something you may not have seen before? When we are faced with what seems like an impossible task, we all need people in our lives who are going to encourage us to see things a different way, who are going to remind us that we serve a God of the impossible. We, we all, what we need is for someone to ask us if we've tried looking at it from a different perspective. When the way through seems blocked, what we need is friends who are not going to give up at the door or the window, but that are going to take us onto the roof, pull the tiles off, and get us sat down in front of Jesus. In verse 19, it says, Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they gave up. Oh no, it doesn't say that, does it? Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they sat outside and waited for Jesus to come out. No, no, they didn't do that either. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they sent him back to a spot to beg some more. No, they went up onto the roof and lowered him down on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. When the answer they needed wasn't maintained one way, they found another way. They didn't give up. They didn't lie down. They didn't leave him there and think, oh, well, we tried, never mind, maybe another day. No, they persevered. They found another way. They didn't let him get up and get stuck in his circumstance. Can I tell you today, we all need friends who don't let us quit. We all need friends who don't let us give up when it seems impossible. There are countless stories online of people who come meters away from crossing the finish line only to collapse of a, of a race, like an endurance race, only to collapse as their legs refuse to let them go any further. And for so many of us, that may have seemed like an impossible circumstance, but I found the story of a marathon runner, Chandler Self, who was leading, she was winning the Dallas Marathon when her legs collapsed under her three times, when suddenly a stranger, a stranger came up behind her, picked her up, got her to the finish line, and then pushed her over it in front of her, allowing her to win that race after all. She didn't let her quit. She didn't let her give up. There was a story about a young boy who completed a triathlon with a prosthetic leg. When he was just uh, not far from the finish, his prosthetic leg failed, and a Marine who was watching from the sidelines came, uh, came onto the track, picked up the boy, and ran him across the finish line, didn't let him quit. A teenager who's, who felt his leg crack, oh, A teenager who felt his leg crack while running was lifted on, piggybacked by another runner and taken across the line to finish his race. 
Sometimes we need friends who are just not going to let us quit and who are going to find another way to get us across the line. There are going to be seasons when we feel like we can't make it because the way through just seems impossible and we're going to be tempted to give up. And perhaps right now you're facing something in your life that's so painful. Maybe you're facing a season where you have prayed for so jolly long about something that you can't even bring yourself to pray anymore because it's been that difficult for you. You think your only option is to give up and to quit, but what we really need is a friend. What we really need is each other to persevere for each other, to press in for each other, to push through for each other, to pull the tiles off the roof and get you before Jesus. Last week we talked about prayer. We talked about intercessory prayer. This is another beautiful picture of what intercessory prayer is. Prayer for others is climbing up onto that roof, pulling the tiles off, lowering them down before Jesus when they cannot do it for themselves. We need each other. We need each other. We, you need someone and someone needs you. Here's number three, and the team can come and join me now. Number three, we need each other because sometimes we need to borrow a little faith. Sometimes we need to borrow a little faith. We have some wonderful neighbors um, actually sitting in the room today. Stuart and Tanya are our neighbors. They live two doors up from us. And uh, oftentimes we get to a stage in our cooking when I realize I have not got the ingredients that I need to make, get my meal across the line. And so I send the boys up and I say, hey, can you go and borrow some oil or borrow some sugar, literally borrow some sugar, borrow a couple, you know, that's really, you know, cliche, but it happens in my street. Borrow some sugar, borrow something that's going to enable us. Sometimes we need to borrow some faith. We need to borrow some faith from a neighbor. Have you ever seen the show The X Factor? You remember, it's, it actually hasn't been on for a while. I wonder if it's fizzled out. Perhaps it's not so popular as it's been before, but I can remember watching The X Factor over the years. One of the things that happens, and sometimes it's not so successful, but listen, it happened for One Direction, where individuals will come and audition, and they audition as an individual, and as an individual, they're okay. Like, they're pretty good. Like, well, when it come, if we compare them to me, they'd be amazing. These individuals, they're okay, and they come and audition. They've got wonderful voices. But what the judges say to them and ask them to do is to lay down their, what they want to do as an individual and they ask three or four of them to actually join and create a group and then come back and re-audition as a group because what they understand is that individually they might go so far, but together they could go all the way, like One Direction. Woohoo! <laughs> you see, often the same thing happens with our faith. The same thing happens with our faith. We can ourselves conjure up a small amount of faith. Like, it's easy, isn't it, to, to conjure up enough faith for a car park or conjure up enough faith for a pay rise or conjure up enough faith for, I don't know, our residency to come through or the job that we want. But many times there's seasons in our life where, where sometimes we just feel like we haven't got enough faith. Sometimes we feel like our faith alone won't take us all the way, but I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if God's intention for us was not to have individual faith, but I wonder if God's intention was in fact that we would add faith to faith, that we would add faith to faith to faith to faith, 
so that we would have a multiplication of faith, that we would have faith, not that grows just by me alone having faith, but that grows through your faith and your faith and your faith and your faith, that would grow exponentially, that would grow rapidly, faith added to faith, that when together it's stronger, it's greater, and listen, it could take us all the way. We need each other to add faith to faith. Verse 20, it says, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, not just his faith. He didn't say, friend, I've seen your faith. He said, seeing their faith. It wasn't just about one of the man's faith. It wasn't just the man who needed the healing's faith. Not one, but all. Seeing their faith. It was a combined faith that stirred Jesus to heal. In some seasons of our lives, there's going to be times, guys, where we just cannot muster the faith in ourselves alone. Maybe we've been so broken down, so battered, so bruised by life that to stand with faith just sometimes feels impossible. It's hard. It's really hard. We feel too overcome with doubt to believe. But maybe, maybe there's someone near you who can stand with you. Maybe there's someone near you that's got the faith that you feel like you haven't. Maybe there's someone near you who could believe for you. That's why being here tonight in a corporate body of believers is so incredibly important because they can believe when you can't. We can believe. Like us, we, everyone around you can believe when you can't. And we can pray when you feel like you can't pray. And we can praise when you feel like you can't praise. And we can worship when you feel like we can't worship. And I think as a church, we have to come to a place where we commit to the body of believers, where we commit to say that when I come to church, I don't turn up for me. Did you know that? Did you know you don't come to church for you? You come to church for every other person who's around you who needs a little bit of your faith, who needs to borrow a cup of faith. You need someone and someone needs you. This is why small groups are so important. You heard it from Richard Devine. Small groups, so important. They're an enormous part of our church and we're signing up for small group leaders right now. This is why we're so insistent that you join one, not because we want to fill small groups, but we truly believe you need one. Your perspective needs it. Your vision needs it. Your faith needs it. Because we need each other. We need each other. You were created to be in community. In fact, your life is not just funner, richer, or happier because of community. Your life is healthier and longer. Don't believe me? Check this out. One of the most recent, uh, most thorough recent projects on relationships is called the Amida Country Study, headed by the Harvard social scientist. It tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. Ouch! People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating, obesity, and alcohol use, just a side note, we're not like condoning that or anything, but people who had bad health habits but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were alone. In other words, it's better to eat cake and pies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. I like this researcher. Listen to this. Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong to no groups, but you decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. Wow. Tanya, get ready. We're about to sign up small groups. We're all going to live a little longer. 
That's amazing. Because you need somebody. And someone needs you. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every person who's in this room tonight. And I thank you that you've not brought them here by accident. It wasn't a coincidence that they are here, but you have brought them here. And I thank you that you have positioned them by divine appointment in this room today. And Lord, I thank you for the community that is created when we all step into this room. And I thank you that as a community of people, we get to share vision. We get to to show each other what maybe someone else can't see, that we get to share our perspective. I thank you, Lord, that when we don't have faith, when we struggle to see beyond the impossible, Lord, you surround us with people who can share, add faith to faith. But Lord, right now, I actually just want to lift up, and I want to, I want to do this right now. I want to lift up anybody in this room and you're feeling lonely. You feel alone on the journey. I would love to pray for you right now. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you tonight, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand. I'm I'm not going to ask you to do anything. But I just want you to receive this prayer tonight and believe that God might have some people, some community, some faith believers to gather around you over the coming weeks. Lord, I pray for every person who is lonely, every person who feels they are without people, every person who is feeling alone in the journey. And I pray right now, that you would bring people into their world. We're believing as a church that they would suddenly be able to see who it is in their community, to see who it is that they can lean on and, and do life with God. Lord, we just, we just ask that you would bring just the right people to come into their lives, just the right people to speak into their world, just the right people that can add faith to faith. Lord, I pray that every single person who feels alone right now in the next few weeks would come back into this place with a testimony of community coming around them. We just, we believe that. And Lord, we commit as a church right now to bring our faith for one another, to bring our praise for one another, to bring our prayer for one another. Lord, we're a community together and I just pray that you would unite us as one, as a church in Jesus' name. I want to do one more thing very quickly. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you're here in this room, you're at church, but you're saying, Bex, wouldn't really call myself a Christian, don't really know God. But maybe that's you tonight, but maybe tonight is different to every other night that you've come along, or maybe this is your first night here, and you would have to say, I may not be a Christian, but I know something needs to change in my life right now, and I actually want to get to know this Jesus guy. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment, because tonight this is for you. God loves you. He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. All of us walk away from God. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God, which means we all sin. We all make mistakes. We all stuff up, every single one of us. We all need the grace and forgiveness of God. The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death, but God in his mercy and grace sent his son Jesus to earth to live a sinless life and then die a sinner's death to pay the debt that you and I would do for our sin. He paid it all on the cross. And right now I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite every single one of you to pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. Thank you for your forgiveness today. I choose now to give my life to you. I turn from my old ways and I turn to you. Thank you that you have made me brand new today. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. We'd love to know who I prayed for. I'd love to know who prayed that prayer, maybe not for the first time, but maybe for the first time in a long time. I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you just to lift your hand up so I can see it. And then you can pop it straight back down. I won't make you stand up in front of everybody. My heart is not to embarrass you, simply to acknowledge you. Are you ready? One, two, three. You can lift your hand right now. You're saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? Awesome. Yeah, you're saying, Bex, count me in. I prayed that prayer. Maybe it wasn't the first time. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer. I thank you... uh, I thank you for the, for the power of a transformed life. Lord, I thank you that you love them. You've got plans and purposes for them. And right now, God, we give you all the praise as we celebrate Lost Ones Come Home. Come on, church, would you give God some praise tonight? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz